Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We got a great episode here for you today. We've got a long conversation with former UConn great Jerome Dyson. We talk a lot in this first part about his uh, college career, playing at UConn, playing for Jim Calhoun, all the other pros he played with, his experience getting ready for the draft, when to go, some of the injuries he dealt with, transitioning from college to pro basketball, what it was like playing in the G League, what it was like finally being picked up by an NBA team all those things. And then we kind of get to the point where he decided to make the switch to play overseas. And that's kind of where this first part ends. And then in part two, we'll pick up with his kind of overseas career and some of those stories, but he does drop a couple early teases of some of his crazier shenanigans uh, that he's been exposed to overseas during this first part. So I think you really enjoy it. And before we get going, just obviously got a quick word from one of our sponsors, betonline.ag. BetOnline would like to wish you a happy betting new year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. And with that, let's get to today's podcast. All right, everybody, welcome into another ball movement. Uh, today, we've got a really cool guest for you. If you're a fan of the old Big East, this is a name you're definitely going to know. Uh, we got Jerome Dyson joining us. It's a third team All Big East, former NBA D-League All-Star, Italian Super Cup MVP and winner, Italian Series A champion, Israeli League Final Four MVP, Israeli League champion, Israeli Cup winner, two-time Israeli League All-Star, first team All-League. There's a lot of first team and champions in that resume there. Um, Mike, you've known this guy going way back. Why don't don't you bring in Jerome here for us? Yeah, and multiple Silver Spring Boys and Girls Club MVPs too, so we can't forget about that. Yeah, man. Yeah, me, me and Jerome, we go back probably to age, what, 10, 11? You know, uh, just growing up in Silver Spring, Maryland, um, just, you know, just guys that just love to hoop. We ran, came across each other as as competitors mostly, you know, growing up. Um, the coach that actually coached Jerome for most of his youth career, Warren Anderson, who I also played with for a short time, just recently passed. So we want to dedicate this episode to him simply because, and I'm going to let Jerome expound on this, but, you know, he has such an impact. And he was just a genuine guy. You know, he didn't want anything from anybody. He just, just wanted to see us do well. Even up until recently, you know, he was contacting me about the stuff I was doing with my book and any way that he could help promote it or anything, you know, he was all for it. And so he's just a great guy, man. And he had such an impact on a lot of kids coming up around that time. Joe, you want to talk about one a little bit? Uh, yeah, but just like you were saying, um, like, uh, just a great guy. He was a father figure to me growing up. I mean, you know, it's 
for me, it was it was probably a lot closer to you. I mean, the Silver Spring, the Boys and Girls Club, it was like a, you know, like a 25 minute drive for me, half an hour sometimes with that traffic mm-hmm. going around that. And so yeah. I spent a lot of time there. Like um, he took me in, embraced me with the group of guys there that we had. Great group. Still a lot of, you know, a lot of guys that I speak to, the, to this day. Um, mm-hmm. And like I said, just uh, the father figure, just, uh, you know, a great guy that a lot of people don't know just in and out, just genuine, like always there. Like you said, he was still, I was still in contact with him till, till that time. I mean, he would always hit me on, on Facebook, see how I was Facebook, doing. Yeah, yeah. Was dead, you know, I really, you know, I didn't talk too much on the phone, but he was, you know, always, always on Facebook messenger. And, and so, um, no, no profile pictures. So I thought it was like, <laughs> but you know, once he started talking, I realized it was really him. And so I started responding to him and things like that. But, um, but yeah, no, go yeah, ahead. Man, it's, a, 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 it's just a crazy, crazy, crazy thing. Um, I, when I got the call, it was like, nah, that couldn't, that, that's not possible. Yeah. They, they just celebrated him like a few days before. He just got I know, I know. I couldn't get, I couldn't make it down there to the, they, they want um, him, him and Walt, they, they gave him um, mm. the awards and I, I wanted to get down there, but couldn't make it. Um, but you know, it's just something like that. It's just, you don't know when you don't know when the last time you is you, you get to to talk to a person. So um, you know it's one of those things that you just a great guy in and out. I you know I just like you said, man, from from that boys and girls club, man. It's just I still I, I still can just picture it in my head. You know I'm I'm just one elbow up on his stomach, <laughs> eating some candy, doing a timeout. You know it's just yeah. one of those one of those type of things. I mean, just like I said, just. A great guy through and through, and, and and people always say that you know when somebody passes, like you know, all the positive things about them. But he literally was a genuine guy. Yeah, that's you know, what I'm like, saying. It's not. It's not. It's not like you know. It's not like a oh, we gotta find something to say. Night. It's not like anything that you hear from somebody is 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 a positive thing. Yeah. And so that's just one one of these things you could say about him is just like I said, just genuine through and through type of person no matter what it is like sports family everything and i've even learned like after that just how good of an athlete he was i never i something that i never knew we only knew him as as a coach you know right right that's what i said i I only knew him as that as that guy and and as a a friend like somebody who took me in from from the outside yeah so uh this episode dedicated to warren anderson a great coach but even better person condolences to Pudge and, and the whole family, Warren Anderson Jr., the whole yes. family. It's a real testament to to what kind of person he must have been for both of you guys to to still be talking about the impact he had on you and the things you could take away, you know, this many years later. So I uh, hope, yeah. you know, hope his family finds some peace and and listening to this is, you know, further reinforcement of the, the good work he did. Yeah. Yes. Jerome, just taking this in a, you know, a little bit of a, a lighter note here a little bit. I mentioned there's a lot of, uh, a lot of champion, winner, you know, those kinds of things in your resume there. What what allowed you to be so successful throughout your career? I mean, I guess, uh, I mean, starting young, I mean, I was always, you know, I've, I've always played up on a lot of teams, you know, just even neighborhood friends, everybody's a lot older than me. So, you know, it's, it it forces you to, you know, step things up. And, and so even from a young age, that's what I'm saying. It's just, I, I was just just being a competitor just that's who the person I am and so never wanted to lose never wanted to 
never wanted to quit. Like, that's just the type of person I am. And so all those things that, you know, growing up, you know, the, you know, the trials and, and, and hard times that you go through makes you into to the person that you are. So, um, I guess it was just my, my will not to give up. I mean, you know, a lot of people, you get in a position where you it's just fight or flight, I guess, type of type of thing. And, you know, and that's just the person I've, I've been. And so just growing up from there, just my, my, my youth in, in um, Potomac, Maryland, where I grew up in Scotland, um, you know, just a um, single uh, black community. And so, you know, it's, we didn't have a lot there. So it was just try to get out. And and that's what I did. Um, just just fighting and just the passion that I had for sports in general. Um, just not basketball. Like uh, I grew up playing everything. So it's just like um, my 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 uh, passion for the for the sports um, is what what really uh, pushed me through everything. Mike, if somebody had to cover Jerome at a young age uh, or match up with him, what allowed him to be so successful from your perspective? Well, he could shoot, you know, like he could shoot at a young age. And um, as we as we go along, but uh, we'll talk about all that stuff. But like one thing he could really shoot at a young age. And that was my thing. I couldn't dribble. Nobody emphasized dribbling to me as a kid, but I could always shoot. We were both pretty athletic, you know, but, um, you know, as he got older, you know, he came back home. I remember when he came back home, he was jumping from the free throw line. And I was like, yo, he, he different, you know, he's different now, but we, we'll get to that journey in a second. But um, that was the one thing that I, that really stood out was just, we were always competing. Like the competition was always there. You know, we had, we had battles and all teams were always like one and two in the boys and girls club. We always played outside like rising stars and all of that stuff. And, uh, but he could always shoot. I was really, um like I, I wasn't, that was a really like a, uh, uh, a good thing. I mean, I could, I pull up from anywhere. I'm yeah, like yeah. a couple steps and it wasn't like, you know, I'm just, I'm just at that age, you kind of like just throwing the ball sometimes. And so, you know, I was that mostly all I could do, I could play some defense, but I couldn't, I couldn't really dribble. So, I mean, I could dribble, but you know, just like, but I, I wasn't like a crossover, 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 do this, do that, run this. I was just give me the ball. I'm going to shoot it. Yeah. Like these kids now, like you know, we watch them now. They they're in training. They're getting so much specific training on ball handling and making reads and all that. Like we went to camp and everything, but we never got that. Like we were just, I, I, I just never got that. I mean, I I, yeah. I I can't remember how many. I don't think I went to a lot of camps. You know, just growing yeah. up, like it wasn't. It was just all AAU and 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 other um any other type of you know situation where you could play basketball. I played in like that. I two seventy thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I played it time. Anything I could get into, I was I was trying to get into. Yeah, it seems like kids play a lot less actual games these days, though. Like there's way more <laughs> dribbling with a tennis ball and, and that stuff. <laughs> Man, it's just that. That's what I said. It's more they focus more on you know just uh, do this, do that. But I, but as as when we were growing up, it was 20, 25 kids in the park. Like yeah. If if we went from basketball, we went maybe but right from basketball to football on the on the pavement. Yeah. Not even on in the, the pavement, grass, yeah. on the pavement. Like it's all it's like it, you don't see that. You're not you're not seeing kids go out and, and playing no matter what time it is at night, like street lights gotta come on, you know, mom okay, calling you, get out, yeah. get in the house, like <laughs> none of that. Like it's just they those don't know how to play though. They don't know how to play. They they have great skill sets. 
Yeah, if you don't, like, you can't translate it. It's it's hard. It's, it, that's what we grew up. You know, it, it's all ages on the court. So it's not like I'm playing against you know just that my my seven years seven year old or you know like but it's like grown people on the court. It's it's all types of people. So it's you got to bring it. Yeah, hundred percent. Jerome, of anybody we've had on the podcast so far, I think you're the one with sort of the most like broad range of experience. Uh, you played in the Big East, you played in the D League, you played in the NBA, you've played yeah. in several countries overseas. Is it ever crazy to kind of sit back and think about like all the different places the you know the game of basketball has taken you to? Uh, it definitely is. I'm, I, I, one of the, the one of the most things that I'm um, I'm passionate about is the, you know being able to have been able to travel the world and and see so many different places um, and experiences different cultures. And just for, even was just starting from when I was, I mean, I, I left, I left Maryland to go to prep school. And so that was my, probably like my first like transition into like stepping out on my, on my own. Cause you know, I, I left to go to Proctor Academy as my sophomore year in high school. And so that's, and that's up in New Hampshire, uh, Andover, New Hampshire. And so, you know, that's that's in the, in the middle of the woods, you know, around anything. And so, uh, that was probably my first, like my really first, like big test of like, can I, you know, can you be on your own? Can you, can you like, can you survive and be able to, you know, some, a lot of people, you know, get to us and you've been away from home before and and it's hard Mm -hmm. for that's why you find a lot of people that go overseas. It's it's hard. It's that you hard to transition over to what I'm gonna eat or what I'm gonna who I'm gonna talk to, what type of friends I'm gonna have, like who am I gonna be able to even who am I gonna be able to talk to. Um, yeah. But you know, it wasn't really that 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 kind of like a stress with me going to prep school because everybody spoke English, you know. But you know, being being a quiet person that I was younger, I didn't really talk to anybody. Like it took like it takes like couple weeks for me to open up like I'm not like uh not I'm not the person I am today like I, I'm more talk but before I'm like I remember you know my car ride with my first coach my uh, Gregor McKechnie uh he was my basketball coach there at Proctor Academy first ride to campus you know it's like I'm just sitting there like this like a two-hour ride man just two-hour ride just not saying nothing you know he asked me if I'm hungry no I'm good like a lot of one-word answers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and so that was like my, my really first, you know, being away from family, not having family. You know, you know, at that point, you know, uh, you know, I don't get to come home for a lot of the holidays, you know, because the prep school, you know, is standing on campus. And so that was like my really first, you know, oh, I can, I can do this. I'm gonna be all right um, on my own type of situation. Yeah, and, and quick, quick point, Matt. The guy that got him to Proctor Academy is the same guy that helped me transfer colleges to UC Riverside, Walter Ray. Yeah, you know this, this guy had he was like World Wild West for for Montgomery County. <laughs> yeah, basketball. that's the thing with him, Walter Ray and, and and Warren Anderson. They were like when I was growing up, they were like just uh, the two people that 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 made it happen for me. Um, as far as like getting to practices or getting to games, like always made it happen, no matter what, would pick me up wherever I wherever I was, drive me to wherever I had to be, and um, just another one of the, another one of the uh, another father figure that was there for me growing up, just uh, 
a real good guy also. Um, and like like Mike was saying, uh, I don't know. I don't know exactly where I would be if if you know if I hadn't came across those those two because um, they've been they were really influential for me in my career as as uh, as I was young. Yeah, I think that's something that people don't realize a lot too. Like you, you hear about people when they get to college and the kind of not finished product, but you know what I mean. Like once you're sort of well established as a recruit, right, right. but yeah, it's it's always a lot to that to that one that got me right to college or not. But not everybody in from from that college back to when you first picked that ball up. Yep. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, Jerome, I think. Uh, you're also the first person we've had so far with actual NBA experience here. I, I assume growing up, that was a dream for you, something you wanted to do. You got to play in the league, maybe not as long as you as you would have liked, but can you just talk a little bit about what that was like, you know, finally getting through a training camp and, and getting a 10 day and like actually starting, uh, starting an NBA game even. Right, right, right. Um, it was, it was, uh, I, I want to say it wasn't really something that, you know, I, I, I dreamed about is playing an NBA because like I told you, like I, I just love, I just love sports at that age. Um, I don't really think I really got serious about it until like, until I was a freshman, maybe like towards the end of my freshman year in high school when, you, you know, put number, you put a numbers too at church. You put a numbers too. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I like, I, but that, and that's another thing, man. Like that's another thing about them, man. As a, I should have been, a, I should have been playing varsity basketball as a freshman. You know, but, yeah. yeah, you know, but, you know, it's a lot of politics you're going to go into, you know, is he's, you know, is, is doing this for the site. You know, it's a lot of stuff, but there's no way you can tell me that I could have <laughs> made that varsity team or even been like even been playing, yeah. like, like, yeah. you know, because they called me up for that playoff series and I, yeah. and I killed. Um, yeah. I think it was uh, Wooten or somebody like that. Yeah. But that's another, you know, I was a. Another reason why I got out of there is because, you know, it was like at that time, you know, my head wasn't all the way where where it needed to be. You know, and it was like, mm-hmm. like I said, I was so I was so passionate about sports. Um, and so I, I, I played everything. And so when I got to when I got to high school, it was like. Um, they only wanted me a, they don't want me available for for basketball season, like, you know. Yeah. It, my grades were golden. My grades are golden during basketball mm-hmm. season. But, you know, once basketball season is over, it's like, you know, they don't really, really care about, mm-hmm. like, how, how is it possible that I'm not getting good grades? Like, when yeah. basketball season, but it, when, as soon as basketball season is over, like, I don't, I don't get good grades anymore. Like, <laughs> and so that, yeah. was, that was the reason why I got out of there. It was just like, I'm not going to be used as a, as a, as a pawn, you know, like make me available for this. But, you know, when that, when that goes, all right, we, we talk to you again when basketball season comes around. And so yeah. um, that was one of the really reason why I, I wanted to get out of Maryland and, and go somewhere and just get a, get a fresh start where they was going to focus on my school and my basketball at the same time. And that's what Proctor Academy did for me. Yeah, like I didn't mean to distract you from your answer, but you were talking about, you know, how you didn't get serious from basketball. You oh yeah, my bad. Yeah. It's all good. It's all good. That's why we're here. Um, yeah. yeah, no, he was talking about the NBA. Um, and just yeah. you know, my first time out there and and, and everything. Um, I didn't really get serious into it until I was probably like a sophomore, and you know, those letters start coming in, and you're seeing like, um, oh, okay, like I, I might 
But, you know, I, I watch you watch on TV, but, you know, I never really like I just love playing the game. Like I, I was going to play it no matter what. Like if I didn't make it or, you know, like if I did or not, so it was it was it was always going to be there in my life. And so but once you get that first letter is that that's when it really gets uh, it really gets serious for you. And you're like, oh, man, I can I can do this because I've never as good as you as you are. Um, I never that's probably one of the reasons why um, I kind of struggled with the uh, the aspect of the not even like the transition from college to cause I, uh, college to the NBA is I never had like a, a mentor figure like that t- showed me like the ropes from this transition to that transition. You know, when I, when I left to go out there, you know, I, um, I really didn't have no, I really didn't have um, after going into, you know, from Proctor Academy to UConn, um, mm-hmm. I really didn't have any, like, I guess, you could say guidance about the about the situation that I was getting myself into, like as far as what to expect, you know, what to this and that, and like even even when I got hurt in college, like you know, I, I get hurt in college. Um, I think I was probably like I was probably like first round at that at that point before um, before getting hurt. Season is starting off great. I mean, I think we only lost. One maybe two games so far, right before um, Big East uh, is about to start off, and that's when I got hurt. You know, I fight my way back, get back, come back stronger than I was before, and then you know everybody leave me. I'm the last like last senior. I mean, we had it was me, I think me, Gavin, and Stanley. Hold him on that, John, because uh, Matt has some like questions about you know that team and and how that relates to your overseas experience. So we're gonna come back to that. Okay, okay. All but, right. Um, um, but like, but like, like when you were when you were at UConn, right? Like, not even UConn before that. Like, what did you know about overseas basketball? Like, I didn't know anything. Play? I didn't even know anything about <laughs> NBA basketball. Like, I just had a favorite yeah. player. Like, Chase McGrady was my favorite player. Like. Mm-hmm. And if I get a pair, if I get a pair of T Max, I'm gonna have 40 that night. That's that's how <laughs> that's how it was for me. Like yeah. I will always, anytime you knew I put on a new pair of shoes, I was gonna have a great game. Yeah. Um, and so, but for me, I didn't know I knew anything about overseas. I didn't know, like I said, I just I just love basketball, football. I played some some little bit baseball, but I just love basketball and football. So it wasn't yeah. important to it. You know, I, I never it never clicked in my mind like at I'm I want to play I want to do this for the rest of my life like professionally like I didn't even yeah. I, I never cuz I never I never got to grasp that that cuz growing up I didn't have any NBA or NFL yeah. guys that they were in my ear like this telling me this or that like I I, I that's what I didn't have and I that's why yeah. I went back like I said that one of the part of the things that hurt me a lot because I I didn't have that you know somebody that's been there done that type of thing to to tell me about this or that yeah like we like even for me we were both basketball junkies through and through but like i never even thought one second about i can go play in asia or europe and somebody's gonna pay me to play basketball over there like that never was a thought like i I never i mean i I never because i guess it also it was a situation when growing up but at our time internet wasn't like internet and social media wasn't it wasn't big like it is now, so you don't you couldn't really go and find any of those type of uh, like a video or somebody like doing this or that or somebody even like you know a lot of people get on the podcast now you know and just and and try to give 
what we're doing, if I had this, like I could go in and yeah. you know, click in or something and, and get the information or, or know what to do. It happens in this type of situation or this type of situation. It's, yeah. it's, it's what I didn't have. Guys either went to the league and you saw them play more or they kind of disappeared, you know, from, from your mind for, for a couple of years. Um, right. Was there anybody that like, I mean, UConn turned out like a lot of pros in that, in that time. Were there guys that came back in the off seasons that could give you some tips about that or, or anybody that passed along that kind of experience that maybe alerted you to, Hey, overseas is a potential route. Um, but I mean, that's the thing. I mean, we, you don't really have a lot. We don't, at that point, we didn't really have a lot of guys that's, that's going overseas. That, that was really one of the biggest reasons why, well, not the one of the biggest reasons, the biggest reason why I went to UConn is when I was, when I was transitioning from Proctor to UConn, we had the most active players in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And so that's a no brainer for me. Like, you know, playing with a, a coach, a great coach in Jim Calhoun and, and going to a program where they get people into the NBA. And so overseas wasn't even a, it's not even a, a glimpse in my mind. Like it's not even something that you coming across. Like it's yeah. at the point where I was at, like, it was like, this is where I'm going. Like, this is where I need to be to get to this point. It was Kentucky, like modern day Kentucky. That's right. what UConn was at the time. Yeah. Right. And, and, and like, I came in with eight freshmen because we had just put eight people in the in the NBA. It's a pretty yeah, good turnover. Sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like that's that's that, like what like that's how that's the easiest way to say it. You know, like that's eight people left to go to the NBA. That's it's like how how do you how you turn that down? Yeah. So so for anybody who's not familiar, let's throw off a couple of those names that you played with that are guys that at least had cups of coffee in the NBA. You had Hashim Thabit, AJ Price, Stanley Robinson. I mean, you eventually played with Kemba Walker for a year, right? Kemba's yeah, freshman year. I played with two years. He played a freshman, and I played with him my um, my junior year. Um, he came in. That's what that's what he actually helped when I got hurt. He he's he helped a lot. Um, hold the things together with AJ. Um, uh, I think Dougie was still there at that time. Craig Ostry. Yeah. So I, I played with him. I played with. Um, who else? Uh, I think that's probably it. But you know, like as far as guys coming back, like but like when I got there, it was Marcus Williams. Like that was leaving point guard. You had Denim Brown, Josh guard. You had Denim Brown, but I think Denim Brown was you know was, was the killer on that team mm-hmm. at that time. Um, and you had Rudy Gay. You got oh, yeah. you got like you said, uh, Josh Boone. You got Hill Armstrong, Jeff Adrian, Amaka. Ben well, Gordon, and that was the crew all before that. Yeah, that was yeah. before. But I, that, those are all the eight guys I'm saying that, that yeah. left. That was right before yeah. me that were going into the draft. Like it, we every, it's like that every. It was like that every year. So it's like you know, it's like how do I turn it down? You know, even if you're thinking like one year, like it's a lot of you know a lot of guys that even possibility to go one year, two years. We had a lot of guys that do that. You had to sacrifice, you know, some of your individual stats to play with guys like that. And I think that's a little more consistent with the overseas style of play where it's a little more team oriented. Do you think that helped you longer term getting used to being around other, you know, impact players like that? It does. I mean, because if you want to win a championship, you got to be with those type of players. My two championship teams that I was overseas, those are the type of players that I, will, I was with. I mean, it's uh, so if, like you get into a championship type of style that you want to get to, like you have a, 
you need those type of people around you in order to, and for me, me personally, in my experience, that you need those type of people around you in order to, to win championships that has the same mindset as you, that has the same grind as you, that, you know, that's, that's going to go out there and give 110% on the floor. Yeah, like it sounds sounds a lot what you know everybody's talking about Scottie Pippen's interview, how he was talking about not being a sidekick and and the media praising individuality over teams. Like when you overseas, it's all about the team. Yeah, like if if you're playing in a a respected league. Yeah, yeah. it's it's really hard. It's really hard for you, like because it's it's really different, and and the coaches really have a lot of you know over here in the NBA, it's it's different. You know, coaches don't really have. I mean. Yes and no, you know, but it's more of a players' league, yeah. and, and overseas it's it's more of a uh, of a coaches and you know, like in in uh, in the office type of league. You know, players are so so interchangeable because it's like you one day you can one week he could be there, and the next week he could be gone, and so um, that's probably one of the things. Also, adjustments is you know you got to get to. I could be gone if I don't put this work in right now, so it's. Yeah. They're gonna try to find somebody, find somebody new that's that's or mm-hmm. or they think that's better than you. Your contract's not gonna save you. They're gonna find a way to break the contract. Oh, that's what I'm saying. They're gonna find a way. Yeah. Um, a lot of a lot of that stuff goes on. You know, they try to hit you with a drug test, or you know, mm-hmm. or the, say you wasn't in before curfew, or mm-hmm. you know, they they find a way to. If they don't want you there, they'll get rid of you. They're gonna find yeah. a way. Yeah, we we always we always try to tell players and people that I help with with my company where I advise them is that you want to keep a good relationship with your teammates and the team and the community because if they if the community and the culture and the and the city that you're in loves you, they'll keep you there because of public relations. They're really big on fandom out there in overseas international sports. Man, they're, they're extremely passionate. Um, that's like yes. It's like me. It's like me growing up here. If I had grown up here in Colorado, that I should, I should love the um, the Nuggets. Like no matter what, no matter what they do, no matter where I move in the world, like that's always gonna that's always gonna be my team. Like those colors, I'm, they're gonna be around my house, like everywhere. And that's like that's something like they they're like no matter where they go where they travel, they're always going to have their team flag or their team colors with them. They're like a passionate fan. Like they're going to have that with them no matter what. And I, I've, I've seen some of like the biggest like fights and like just off of like the love of your team, not even like, like, you know, I just hate this. They do it for like the love of their team. Yeah. You've got a good fan fight brawl story for a Strom. I feel like everybody's got at least one of people going <laughs> I'm going a little too far. Oh man, I don't know if it's a, it's not a good one, but this has just happened to me recently. Like this is like when I just was in the Dominican Republic, and I it was, this was probably on this was it was yeah. I'm about to say was that was that your you had yeah that? that was my game that was my game it was a championship game game seven uh, no game six um and the, and the rest called the game. Cause like they were they were making some bad calls like you know they 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 was just they was really fucking up and so um it's a couple of stuff got thrown on the court you know at the at the refs a couple times I think the one time the ref got hit like with something in the back 
Um, and they wanted to continue the game. Like at that point, you know, you got you got to put your foot down, man. I just got hit in the back of the head with a rock. <laughs> the game has got to be over. But you know, they came back like, no, nah, come on, play the game. And then something else finally happened. Something else got thrown on court. They called the game in like the eight minute mark of the fourth quarter. And then my my uh, the fan, the team I was on is uh, the fans probably had like one little section behind the basket. And the other fans, I guess they were saying like at the beginning because I, I didn't get there be- until game six of this um the tournament in DR. So the other team, like I was talking to some of the players and they were like, yeah, and we were up two nothing at the beginning and we had all the fans. And then as soon as we went down to like two two, and then they they got the other. So mm-hmm. like this side of the this side of the back wall was their fans, and then under the basket on the other basket was their fans also. So we only had fans on on one basket, like. Probably like it was probably like a good like seven to one like fan base like theirs to ours and so refs call the game their fans rush to court to celebrate like they mm-hmm. thinking that they won like they call the game that the game is gonna be over they don't have to play no more like you're not coming back tomorrow we the champions mm-hmm. our fans they weren't having it at all like they wasn't they wasn't having that like no celebrating nah yeah. They rushed them like I'm talking. I told you, you know, they they outnumber up, they outnumbered our fans like a good seven to one. And so, but they wasn't having it. They rushed them, and then that's when all hell broke loose. It was a good 20, 25 minutes, like Royal Rumble, like WWF type styles, chairs being thrown, rocks, bricks. They had stuff from the sink, like uh, the the false the the what's this thing they call the spout? Like they were they pulled it off the wall. I'm talking about getting breaking the shower things, anything to fight with. I'm like, oh man, what in the world am I at right now? Like, yeah. I'm talking about like they running in, people screaming. It's I'm talking, it's kids on the court and everything too. Yeah. Like kids, you got to start them early. Yeah, but it, it, it was a royal rumble until you know, cop brought out the big AR. Everything mm-hmm. quiet down. Every everything quiet down. He put the gun, showed them. Everything stopped. But you know, I was that was like, like the probably like the craziest. Like I, it was like people bleeding. I saw a dude walked up in the next morning. His eye was like probably like this big on one one side. I'm like, man, what what in the world did I just get into? But you know, it's crazy. It's crazy. We, like people wouldn't even believe these stories if now you know they're all over social media. Because you know, you know, as we get older, you know, stories start to people add on to these stories and they get exaggerated. Right. Like, none of this stuff is exaggerated. Yeah, it's stuff, man. It's like you know, you're in Europe. They like flares in the stands. They singing it. Yeah, that's not, yeah, it's like it's real, like that, like it's like uh, overseas, like it's talking about as far as now being like in Europe, like like he said, man, it's like flares and like their their passion, like songs, chants, they'll come outside, the yeah, yeah, like anywhere, like inside the game, they'll like like when I played in Jerusalem, probably like the they were their fans was like a one, like. I'm talking about drums, like everything. Like it's like you think they got a band up there, drums, flares, everything. You gonna smoke the the whole building is is smoked out because it's flares. You know, um, probably like the atmosphere. You know, you get it. It's just crazy. Like they give you the energy to play. Uh, just just wild. Because at that point, we were trying to also get into Euroleague because um, we were Euro Cup, and so um, 
we wanted to show, you know, that we got one of the best arenas to play in. And I, I, I agree. We probably did. I mean, it was it was probably a lot of um, at that point, a lot of hating going on by Maccabi because they didn't want us take the they didn't want us to get into uh, they didn't want us to get into yearly. And so that's probably a lot that really kept it up because our fans arena was, like I said, a one, like um, as far as the energy that they brought to us on and off the floor, you know, you pull up anywhere. Like he said, like the fan base that you you get, like the energy that you, you get from them. Like I, I go into the grocery store and, you know, it's people, you, Jerome, Jerome, can I take a picture? Like, I, even my, like when I was like first year out, like, I, my first year, I started in um, in Israel, uh, Hulan. And yeah, that's where I got my first scoring title. And, you know, just the fans, it's just great. Like, they embrace you. You, If you do your job, they're going to love you. Like, that's one yeah. of the, that's one of the, like, the best things that I love about playing over there is, like, if you go out and do your job, you will be remembered forever. Like, they'll yeah. always, like, you always, anytime as you come back, they're always going to embrace you. Like, you have somewhere to go. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, go go back when we touched on you know your your first year out. Like, what was that? What was that transition like? Going from you know you kind of going there with the mindset they just they just had eight guys go to the league. You're expecting to go to the league. You get injured, and now like how is your like how does your mind frame shift as as you've seen it? Is somebody telling you, hey, you know you might go second round, you might go on draft, you might want to start looking at overseas options now. Like, like, what was that transition like in terms of like your your mental in terms of preparing for your professional career? At that point, my mental was like, you know, I knew I was still like one of the best players out there. Like, mm-hmm. even coming back after my injury, you know, I, I still I still knew I was like one of the best players out there. And and at that season, my my senior season, my son was on the way, and and that really that really like affected me a lot because at that point, like I said, you know, I don't have anybody that I can I talk to about s- type of situations like this. And so you, and to, to hear, you know, you having your first kid come on the way as a, as a senior in, in college, it really threw me, it really threw me off because, you know, I, at that point I, I came really disconnected with my, with my team. Cause um, you know, everybody asked me questions about, yo, Jerome, I hear you having, a, you having a son on the way. And, you know, I'm like, I don't really know how to address the situation, you know. So I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm I'm getting I'm I'm like closing myself off more and more from it from like, I guess like everybody like even my like my teammates, my coaches, and like I get into practice, I leave right out like just just to get back out because I don't want to even hear like the questions about you know this or that like, and so I, I it really affected me like, because I, I I came into the season I think I was I was like twenty five and five. And then, you know, and it just and it, at that at that time, then it just it just spiraled out like it was just like I didn't know how to handle the situation. I mean, it's, 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 it's I mean, that's the best way to put it. I didn't I didn't know how to handle becoming a father at um, I don't know how old was I was. I, I think I 21, maybe, maybe. And so, you know, just. Having somebody, even like I said, having somebody to talk to about that situation, like you know, it's a, it's it, it's been a lot of guys in that situation, um, but you know, I just didn't, I I didn't know nobody that I could talk to to help me out. You know, my mom was a big part of my life, but you know, that's not a that's not a you know a situation that you want to bring to your to your mom at that point. You know, it's like you need somebody like a 
a bigger brother or, you know, like um, somebody or, or even somebody that's been through the game or, you know, that's that you can be like, did this happen to you? Like, what, what can I do? Like, how can I how can I turn this around? Like, and so that was like the one thing that hit me in my senior year that really threw me in a spiral because um, mm-hmm. like I, I came back. I was good. Like my knee was good. Like I, I everything was good. It was just. I, I didn't know how to handle the, the the connection with a son on the way and handling the questions from everybody. And so, like, after that, you know, I go undrafted. I do the D-lead thing. But, oh, hold on. I go undrafted, but, you know, I still go to the do the interviews. Workout. Yeah. yeah, I do the, the interviews, and they're like, why didn't you come out last year? Like, we would have drafted you in the first round, like, and it's, a, it, and it's, you know, then, then that hits you in the head. He's like, what the fuck? Like, why wouldn't you take me now then if you would have taken no, me No, but why wouldn't, uh, who was in my corner to tell me this? Like, yeah. And so that's, yeah, yeah. it's, it's, and then that just, that, that, you know, that, that hurts. Like, you know, that, that hurts. You go undrafted and you telling me that you would have drafted me last year in the first round. But, you know, that goes to, you know, it's, how well did your team do that year? And and so that's all the stuff. And so it, it hurt to hear, you know, you go undrafted and then the teams are telling you I would have drafted you. And and so after that, I do the D-lead for a couple so, of years. Jerome, real quick, if you don't mind me real okay. quick before, before we get to the D-lead stuff, just, just sticking with that for one second. If, if there's somebody listening to this that's going through sort of a similar, uh, you know, stage of life or, you know, they're, 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 Trying to balance, you know, personal stuff, becoming a dad, total, you know, turnover with teammates, the draft situation, maybe not as much team success, like all that stuff at once. And and they maybe don't have somebody in their corner too. Is there anything you would pass on to them advice wise or who they should seek out for that kind of advice? Don't be afraid to reach out. Like I, at that point, like I said, I didn't know who I could talk to or something, but if the one thing I could, if I could say to like, a college player or even like a youth, but don't be afraid to to reach out to somebody or or ask for some or ask for some help. That's probably like the the biggest thing because I, I I cut myself off from so many people. And you know, just don't don't just disconnect yourself from the whole world. And I, I'm not from the whole world, but I mean I that's what I did. I mean I was disconnected because I was afraid of the situation. Yeah and just to piggyback and that's a great point, Matt. Um I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of times people look at successful people and they think oh they're too busy and they they assume that they don't have time to talk to somebody like me most of the people that i know that are successful most of my peers that are successful including myself we love sharing advice we love you know helping and advise people you know whether it be personally or, or professionally so you know especially with social media now like you can hit somebody in the dm facebook people respond you know if you come at them the right way from a genuine place. So yeah, just, just reach out, you know, contact us. Any, any advice that, you know, I can give, Jerome can give, Matt, you know, and all, at all of our place of expertise, we're looking to do that. And cause we don't want players, like that's the thing about us. We should be building each other. Every generation should be better than the next, whether it be on the court, off the court, personally, spiritually, how, whatever it is, we should be better. And um, it's our job to kind of pass that on. Got to find a way to pass the, the information on. I, I mean, that's probably one of the, you know, that's one of the, I got, to, I was telling you, I, I don't know. Uh, I know Mike, 
Mike knows that I um I became a um a life license and um life insurance also. And so that was one of the biggest things that for me is just when I got that information to to understand what how money works, that's one of the biggest things in my thing is like how money works. I was like, man, what the hell? Yeah. Why wasn't anybody telling me this? They don't teach us this in school. Like nobody tells us this. Not even in <laughs> school, man. Like my my right hand, like this person next to me. Why aren't you like? Why mm-hmm. why aren't you telling me this? Yeah. Like even like. I, I wanted, like I was telling him, like I wanted to get into like into these, some of these colleges and, and talk to the guys and, and explain them to how, like how money works. Like you can, you can be rich right now. Like if you start, like if you save some of that money or do something with that money, that's going to impact it. Like a lot of people don't know how long it takes for your money to double. Like, and so it's like, if you don't know these kind of things, like you're always going to be losing. Yeah, because there's so many people that know, and and they're that's what they're just this much in front of you. But it, that's all it. Yeah. That's all it could Everyone. be, though. That's all it yeah. could be, and you're just lacking that much to just get you over to this. It's just it's just information that could be passed yeah. on. Yeah, it's all information. That's the separating key between you know somebody that's average and somebody that's being great. Is this information? Information. And you, yeah, and then, and being able and then being able to absorb it though to like being able to. Not let it just go in one ear and out the other. Yeah. You got to be in a place to, to accept it. So like, so like, as you were going through that process, you know, you know, you, you in these interviews, they're telling you all of these things. Like, so you know that you belong in the NBA. I I, I know, I know I belong. I, I, I knew that I belonged in the NBA. It's just, yeah. you know, it's this person says this, that person says that it's, it's not about talent. Yeah. That's, that's one thing it wasn't, it was never about that's, yeah. It was never about talent. At your agent at the time, like what were they saying? Were they telling you about your options? Like what were they saying? Like obviously the D League isn't what it is now today. But that's the thing. I didn't I didn't have an agent. I didn't have an agent my junior year. That's when I needed an agent. I needed yeah. I needed that. I my junior year is when I needed somebody in my corner, like telling me you can still do this, you can still do that. Like you have options. And Jim, Jim Jim Calhoun wasn't getting feedback from teams or anything? My only option that I knew is that I had to come back to school. Mm. That was my only option that I knew of. Wow. Yeah, yeah, you, you, always, you always hear stories. Sorry to cut you off, man. Oh, but um, like you always hear stories about, you know, Coach K or, or John Calipari, and they're mm. telling their guys, like, listen, either they, they say it in two different ways. The guy is an underclassman. He wants to come out, and they're saying, hey, look, like I don't know, I don't know if they're gonna take you. You might want to come back. This is the feedback I'm getting. They talking second round. They talking late first round. Or they say, listen, you got to go right now because your stock isn't gonna get any higher. If they're really about the players, you know. So I'm not trying to put you in a position to talk about, you know, your coaches or anything like that. But what was? Did you have any of those conversations with the coaching staff? No, I, I mean I didn't have none of those. Um, I mean, as far as that I can remember, I mean, was, yeah. and I mean, I think I would remember like. I think I would remember it, but I mean, I was well twelve years ago now. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, that's that's not like a I never had a um, type of problem with um, Coach Calhoun as far as that. But I mean, as I think that they were doing what they thought was best for their program. Um, of course, as that's that's the only thing that I can register in my mind is like yeah. they know that they want. 
they want me to come back. I guess it's, that's what's going to be best for them. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. so it's not, that's, like I said, I, I didn't have anybody in my corner telling me this is what's best for Jerome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're not trying to cast aspersions on the UConn staff or anything. Oh, like yeah, that, no, none of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's not their priority like I, yeah, yeah. to go. Like priority. I, but like I said, when I came back, it was it was still up to me. It, it was my distractions that, that led me away. I mean, I, I think I still could have. It was just, you know, if you're going to get drafted, you have to have a successful team. I mean, at that we weren't, we weren't, I think we just made it to 500 or maybe we were behind 500. And so it wasn't. It wasn't like it's just like I said. It was it was me being able to handle the situation, um, and things could have been different. No, and I think that's about what you said. You know, just the accountability. You know, what I'm saying yeah, a lot of guys, saying. a lot I, of guys wanna, will blame other people. Yeah, I don't. It's that. not. I never go in. I never yeah. go in and, and try to push anything off on somebody else. That's just how I am. I, I'm not yeah. gonna try to be like, yeah, if he had not did this and then that yeah. should have been different. Like, no, if if it's, it, it was me um, just being able to handle the situation. That was the, that was the biggest thing for me that that really when I saw things try to go in a different different direction as far as not even like I would still know how, how good I was. But, you know, it's it's being able to have somebody in your corner and 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 winning games also. Like if you're not winning, then no, nobody's going to come in and come and look at you. And I think, I think, you know, college, especially if you play, you know, obviously I play mid-major, you play very high level, you know, power five conference, division one, but it, it prepares you for the business. If not AAU nowadays, it prepares you for the business of basketball, which is what pro sports is. And two things I heard right there that I think a lot of players, men and women should be taking in is that one, you're accountable, you're real with yourself, you take responsibility for your own actions and what happens. But you also have to do what's best for you in your career because a lot of people are going to, you know, give you advice, but it's always sprinkled with this is going to also help them. Yeah. And, you know, and for a lot of players, you know, you always hear the narrative, you know, finish school, you know, that's so ingrained and conditioned in us. But school will always be there. If you have the chance to come out and better your family, your situation, you got you have to do that. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you can always say, I mean, at that point, you're going to be making enough money where you can get into any. Any school, right? Yeah. It's not, that's not the that's not the issue. It's, yeah. it's it's just when do you want to do it? Are you going to go back and do it? Or do, like it's it's a choice. Like as I said, it's a you, you got to make a choice. And a lot of schools will honor your scholarship even if you leave early after the fact. Now, anyway, online school mm-hmm. is a lot easier to do that too. Like there's so I, many I, more I, options. It hurts because it, it hurts the schools on that uh, on that their future scholarships. So they want to get these players back in to graduate because they need them to, they need them to graduate in order to get scholarships. Mm -hmm. So it's not, you know, you you think that, do you know they're doing something for you, but it's, you know, like he said, actually it's, it's a hidden thing. Like it's that, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like they need you too. So Jerome, you you had a very successful uh, D league experience. I'm sure that was probably, a bit of a culture shock, though, after after playing in the UConn, the facilities yeah. you have, the teammates you have, and then the, uh, the D league wasn't like what it is now, right? Like it's it's a very different sort of style of play and and setup and you know experience, I guess. It definitely is, but like I said, I, I got lucky because um, 
that was the Thunder was one of the teams that were interested in in um in in drafting me at that point. And so that was one of the reasons why I went to their um their D League team. Cause at that time when I was in the D League, it was only two teams that had like direct affiliates. Huh? They only had direct affiliates. Everybody yeah, direct, yeah, that's what that's what uh, direct affiliates. It was the the Thunder and the Spurs. And so there were only two teams that, you know going to send down players no other players are going to get sent to this team from like mm-hmm. to, so all the other teams you know they are affiliated with three other teams so you got three other teams sending down two to three players like how yeah. it's, how do you how do you say you're going you want to get these players good but you sending down nine players this that's going to take away their minutes instantly because they send the player down for the nba he's playing right away no matter mm-hmm. no matter who's in that who's in that spot and so that, like I said, that was the best thing for me is being with a direct affiliate. They were a one how how they how they ran everything. Um, we had great apartments right next to the facility. Great coaches, great great staff, everything. I mean, like I said, it was. I guess it was just because we were a direct affiliate. It was we were we were part we were part of the of the Thunder. And so I mean, we could go to games and stuff like that. And so. And and that time I had just did um I had did preseason with the Thunder so you know I'm 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 good with uh, KD Russ James you know we in there playing video games and shit and whatnot and so that was a really reason why I I um I went to their D League team because I, I I did that um summer league with them um they're like we want you to come in you know do our uh, our D League we think you have a shot to to get called up you know and so. I did that the whole year. The whole year was great. I mean, I didn't get the call up that first year that I like I, I wanted. My, my my numbers were good. We were like, I think we what I can't remember where we lost, and I think we lost maybe in the semis. But you know, at that point, and the, the D League playoffs at that point, you know, they were they was funny because they get to you know a team. You know, like I said, they got three affiliates. So if you got a team that's really want to win a championship, or you know, thirsty to win a championship. They try to stack their team like they're send down or people that's that on that like that's on that cusp that's mm-hmm. on that NBA team that sit on the bench they just they just send them down to for the D League for the rest of the year so they affiliate will win that championship so you know you get in there you playing like four people that's four or five people that actually played in the NBA that's <laughs> not in the D League so it's like yeah. oh man like we've been busting our ass we've been busting our ass all year and then they send down some like. They send down like three or four people that's been playing the NBA all year, and so that was probably like the one of the that was the bullshit about the the my first year. Um, but it was great, like great teammates. Like I said, um, that's something that you in order to last, you have to have great teammates. That's not easy. Mm-hmm. It's if you're gonna enjoying and waking up and being happy, it's gonna be a tough road no matter where you are, what city. I mean, how great the city. If you gotta wake up and see people that you don't like. Yeah, it's gonna be a tough day, and so that was like I was blessed. I mean, like I said, great, great staff, great organization that's behind us, and and, and great teammates. And so it was it was a really a, a good transition as far as that. Like those a lot of those teams were bussing to yeah. I'm, I'm just getting ready to say flying like, like the, yeah. we're flying. They're taking care of us. We're flying to a lot of those games, and so that's like one of the best things about you know, like I said, being a, a director. They really took care of us, and I really didn't have to worry about any of those like struggles that 
about bad apartments and stuff like that or nine hour eight hour bus rides like and on north dakota in the winter yeah the iowa i think the iowa they used to drive everywhere they didn't they didn't fly anywhere they were 12 hours sometimes no way like that's why that's why I love this this problem no we have because like every narrative I've heard about the D League has been the opposite of what your experience was. Everybody was busing, eating McDonald's, Holiday Inn. I know that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like I I I I, I be here listening to their stories. Like when we go and play, like or oh, go to their holiday. Dang, y'all living here? This where y'all live? Like, yeah, yeah that's that's interesting. Yeah, it was so, and you know, and and what brought me back my second year is because we were, I did the USA team. Mm-hmm. I played uh, Pan America games. And so that was one of the things that I, at that point, now I didn't get my call up. I was, I was, I was mad. You know, I'm like, man, I'm, something got to happen. Like, I'm not doing this. The, the, I can't do a D league for another year. But they were like, at that, and, you know, you get a chance to play on the USA team. I hadn't, I hadn't, that was my first opportunity. Um, I didn't, as a youth, I never got to, to play on any like the 16 or 17 unders or anything like that. Um, and so um they were like, in order to play in this in the in, on that, we had you had to be part of the of the D League. And so they put it was like a D League all-star team mm-hmm. type of thing mm-hmm. to go and play. There was a lockout that year, right? True. Yep. Mm-hmm. That, yep, it was. Um, and so um they put and so it they put us together as like a all-star type of team. Mm-hmm. And we went and did that. And um, I came back, had another great year. I uh, get my call up at the end. And like like usual, I get hurt the very last game of the season. It's just, I mean, I guess I'm mean, not just, my luck just, you know, not not what it need to be. I got hurt the very last very last game. I'm, I'm having a great game too. I just came out. I think I had uh, maybe like eight points in that first quarter before I get hurt. I think it was uh, I know for a fact it was it was uh the lefty point guard that uh played in um he played Damn. in Miami. Huh? Kendrick Nunn? No, no, he's uh he's I think he's European. Um, Goran Dragic. Yes. Yeah. Fucking hate him. Took took your knee out or Damn. no, he I went up for a dunk. Oh he pushed me in the back. You yeah. know, it wasn't probably like a put, but any type of any yeah. type of pressure is going to rule number some, one as a hooper, right? You can't yeah, do that any type of pressure is going to throw somebody off, and so I'm going mm-hmm. up for it, and I get pushing my back, so I can't even finish at this point. So I put my foot down to stop me from going mm-hmm. any further, like you know, because I'm moving, I'm I'm in the air, so I'm so if I go down, I got to stop myself from going into like the cameraman and like the the stands is right behind the basket. So I put my foot down. Bone bruise to my ankle. I'm out like three, three and a half, four months. Can't can't do nothing. The bone bruise is is it's no timetable. Right, Heals what it wants to. You can't really do anything to help the healing. And so that was like I said, very last game. It was it it hurt because at that point you know is I'm a I'm a um like I said they signed me for the rest of the season. I went for my ten day to. Them signing me for the rest of the season. I had a, I had a, I was unrestricted for two years, so it was like you know they could cut me at any time and they don't have to pay me. So you go into off season, I can't do nothing, I can't work out like nothing. So mm-hmm. at that point, they they traded me to um, they traded me to Phoenix. 
I think that was the same time the Olympics was happening. I talked to my agent at the time that I had, and I'm like, I see ESPN, I see my name go across, you know, on the ticker, like Jerome Dyson has been traded to to Phoenix. I call him up, you know, like, what the hell is going on? Like, I just got traded. How does that feel when you see it on the ticker before somebody yeah, reaches out right. to you? It's terrible. I mean, you don't know what to expect. I mean, you don't know. I mean, like I said, I'm unrestricted. You don't know, like, I don't know what the hell is going to happen next. Yeah. Um, I, I talked to him. He's like, no, nah, this didn't happen. He's over at the Olympics. Like, I'm like, what the fuck? No, I, I, I see this. It's, yeah. <laughs> they, they ESPN doesn't get that wrong. Right. Like, yeah. Guyson. <laughs> and so I'm like, all right, yeah. I'm just, a couple of days, like not maybe a day, maybe two days. And then it's like Jerome Dyson has been waived by Phoenix Suns. I'm like, so I'm calling him again. Like, yo, what the hell is going on? He just said I wasn't traded, and then it's just said now it says I'm I've been I've been cut. Like what? Like and he's like no. Like and so at that point, like I was like, man, this is some like. So I I, I knew like yo, this is not the guy for me. I had to fire. I had to fire my agent at that point, and so it was some I think some dumb clause in the thing. It's like it's a time period where you can hire another agent. Like you got to wait a certain amount of days in between when you can hire another agent. And so, but at the time that like all this is going on to happen, like to everything is happening, timetable from everything is closing up, like that, like spots on teams are like this, this and that. And by the time I can actually find another agent to, to represent me. And so, you know, by the time I do all that, like everything is pretty much, or I have to go into another, do this training camp again thing. I'm like, man, at that point, I'm like, I don't fucking, I, I don't want to, like, how, how is this even possible? Like, how do I have to go through, how do I have to start this whole process mm-hmm. over again? And so at that point, you know, I'm like, nah, I'm not. I just, I, at that, I was like, I had just had enough. I was like, I'm going to go overseas. And so, and then that's how I started my my uh, my first year off in, um, in Israel. Yeah, just going back a little bit, Ron, like, I literally just had a conversation with the player that I'm advising and he's considering firing his agent. And I told him, make sure you read your clause and your contract, your player agent agreement, because there is that time period where like for him after a certain date, the contract is automatically renewed. So like you can't even switch agents after that time period has passed yeah, until a- the next year. Right. There's a yeah. lot of stuff in it too. And then there's like some, type, type, some agents are trying to tie some stuff like overseas. Like if they find you a job, like if, it's some agents will be like, I got your like kind of like your rights for the next year. Like anything that you get next year, I get a part. Like mm-hmm. I even get a if part they, even if they didn't yeah. get you a job. Yeah. Right. And so it's a lot of it's, stuff that you gotta be careful because it's not it's like I said, it's a business. Everybody is looking out for themselves at the end of the day. Everybody is looking out for themselves. How how I can plunge myself higher, get past this person. Like it's everybody's mm-hmm. looking for that next. It's not like he says. It's, it's at the end of the day. Yeah, they try, but it, it's it's always has a little bit something that's gonna benefit them. Yeah, got educate yourselves about this business because they will take advantage of you. And before it's too late, you're gonna look up. Before you know, you know. And yeah. yeah. If it's in writing, there's nothing you can do about it. Nothing. 
that feels like a pretty good stopping point for the first part of our conversation with Jerome. We covered lots of good stuff there about his college career, his transition overseas, what Jim Calhoun's impact was like on his transition from college basketball to pro basketball, what it was like playing in the G League, what it was like playing in the NBA, and obviously where we left off. It's right at the point where Jerome's kind of decided to pursue an overseas career, and he's had a great one. So stay tuned for part two. We've got a lot more good stuff coming, a lot of good stories there. Make sure to rate, review, subscribe. We'd love it if you would tell a friend, another hoop junkie out there that would uh, get something out of this conversation. Or if you're a prospective basketball player yourself, I think there's a lot you can learn here from Jerome's story as well. He's very candid, very open, and we really appreciate that kind of stuff. So stay tuned. And as always, we are presented by betonline.ag. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.